Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Hi everybody in the building and uh, online, great to be with you uh, this morning and I'm really looking forward to uh, sharing this brief message uh, with you. But let me start out with some background as to the feel that this message is going to have. Um, and if I use uh, my, my own life as a bit of a mini example uh, for that. So uh, one of the things that uh, Robin and I, my wife Robin, one of the things we love doing uh, is watching those home renovation shows. Um, and certainly if you've been in ISO, you're, you're channel surfing, you're looking at all the catch-up TV uh, channels that are out there. If you've got Foxtel, whatever services you've got, you're no doubt explored all the things that are on there. And uh, if you are into home reno shows, which as I mentioned we are, there is a smorgasbord. Uh, there's heaps of them out there. But one of the things I love most about them is seeing the incredibly creative ideas uh, that these home renovation people um, actually come up with. And if they've done it really well, you don't actually see what they've done until they do the final reveal of the house once everything has been renovated. And even then, unless you've got a real eye for detail, you might even gloss over some of those things that they've actually put in place. So I'm talking about things where towards the end of the home reveal, you'll actually end up noticing there was a particular colour scheme. It might be, you know, shades of green here or there. It might be some green cushions here, some green splashback tiles and the ensuite vanity, different things like that. Maybe they've got different uh, wood ornaments. Uh, there are some on the dining table. Then when you go to the bedrooms, there's something on the, on the, on the, uh, the side tables there. So you get a bit of a feel for that. Other times you really can't place your hand on it, but quite often the comments that people say about their newly renovated homes is they'll say, oh, it feels so homely. It feels so cosy, it feels so comfortable. They can't quite necessarily put their finger on it, but they do get that overall feeling, that overall sense of what the home now feels like because of all of those individual things that have gone into creating that home. So that's kind of the direction that I'm looking at in bringing you this message uh, this morning or this evening, whatever your time zone might be. And uh, throughout this uh, year at Metro Church, we're having a bit of a focus, uh, a concentrated look on the power of or not together actually looks like. And so that's going to be the message that um, I'm looking at as well. Now, I've got a, a few key thoughts to throw out your way this morning, but what I really want everyone to, talk, to walk away with at the uh, conclusion of today's message is that sense of togetherness, what together actually means. And so because we are all individual, we're all very unique, that will mean and it will feel different to every single one of us. But there is that sense of togetherness that I absolutely know God wants us to have and to walk away with. So I mentioned there's a couple of key points that I want us to, I suppose, uh, underline and highlight uh, and talk about in the message. So here's, here's the first key thought for you. The power of things together. One thing by itself can be quite powerful, depending on what it actually is. But when many things are brought together, they can be even more powerful uh, than just the things by themselves. Now, of course, Christmas around the world, uh, we had it just recently. We're only a matter of weeks away from Christmas. It might seem very fresh to some of you. Fathers, it might seem like it was a long, long time ago. But for most of us, we will have heard uh, the Christmas message relatively recently. And of course, it's about Jesus uh, and the reason why he came, why he was born. And so just as a bit of a recap then, uh, maybe you're not too familiar with the Christmas story. So I've got a passage of scripture uh, that talks about the birth uh, of Jesus. And so it's Matthew chapter 2 
and it's verses 1 to 12. So it's a bit of a chunk of scripture, but it'll give you a really nice overview as to what I want to extract out of this passage of scripture this morning. So Matthew 2, chapter 1 through to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. That's a bunch of men. That's what Magi means. And they asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests, teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet was written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. They'd been following that star. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you see him, report him to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they worshipped him. They saw his mother, Mary, and they bowed down. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So the Magi, a bunch of men, they were going on a journey together. We're told that. It wasn't just one person going for a walk. It was a bunch of men getting together with a determined purpose. They all agreed to do something, and they were committed to that purpose. Now, the Bible doesn't give us the exact details in that passage that we just read. But Bible scholars tell us they estimate that journey that the men went on was 500 miles, which is around 800 kilometres. Now, I did a bit of, bit of a search here on Google Maps. That's the distance from Melbourne to Adelaide. And if you were to walk that distance, according to Google Maps, it will take you 150 hours. Now, if you walked 12 hours a day, that would take you 12 days to get there. So that's a very significant thing that they decided to do together for a specific purpose. Now we read in that passage, and it's probably familiar to many of you, about the gifts that were given, gold, frankincense and myrrh. And so again, there's been different studies over the years. And so let me give you an approximation of the value of those gifts, because this wasn't just you know, a couple of pair of booties, uh, or maybe you know, some disposable nappies, not that they had them back then, but you know what I mean. It wasn't just a few of those little trinkets and those sorts of things. The value of the gifts that they gave to baby Jesus, and obviously his, his parents, Mary and Joseph, was valued at Australian dollars, $155 million. That's a fair bit. Thank goodness they didn't get robbed along the way when they were going there. Now, what's really interesting is that if we have a closer look at those gifts, and this is one of the key things that I want us to understand from this message this morning, if we look at those gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they were not just randomly collected things. They weren't just things that these guys rummaged around their home, went out to the back shed. What have I got here? Let's just bring this. This wasn't hand-me-downs. These were well-thought-out gifts. 
and they were brought by the individual people together. It wasn't just one person that brought just one thing. Collectively together, these people brought these amazing gifts. Gold, frankincense and myrrh. Gold, other than being a great precious commodity, um, and it's still today revered as one of the most stable forms of, I suppose, wealth there. So the gold, we get that. That was kind of like, obviously, it's currency of the day. It was kind of like the Bitcoin, if you're into Bitcoin and things like that. But in addition to that, gold was the traditional gift for a king. The next one, frankincense. Frankincense was actually used by priests in the temple sacrifices. It was a fragrance that they would use as they were offering sacrifices to God. And, of course, the function of a priest is to be a conduit between man and God. That's what the priest's role actually was. So that's gold, that's frankincense. Then we had myrrh. Myrrh was actually used to embalm dead bodies. It's a gift for one who is to die. Now put yourself in Mary's position. Grand new baby, these amazing men have come, hundreds of kilometres, hundreds of miles, and they give you something for a king, something for a priest, and something for someone who's about to die. You kind of be wondering, what are these people doing? Why have they given me these sorts of gifts? And thanks but no thanks, can I exchange it for something else? Not at all. In the culture of the day, of course, the value of those gifts and the purpose of those gifts would have absolutely been known. But think about it for a moment. All those gifts. The gold, it was a gift for a king. The frankincense was a gift for a priest. And the myrrh, one who was to die, well, he was to die for the whole world, to be the saviour of the world. So all of a sudden, those three gifts that were brought individually, but brought together, sealed and put God's stamp on Jesus and his true reason for coming. King of kings, the great high priest, the one who was to die for every single one of us, saviour of the world. So you better believe there is huge power in bringing things together when you bring them for God. They were more than symbolic gifts. Now, again, nothing. I hope you know this, nothing is in the Bible, nothing is in God's word by chance or by random. So one person could have brought all of those things and that would have been powerful enough because of the symbolism of those things. But God wanted to go one step further and demonstrate that, wow, each of us get to bring something that we think by itself might not have great value. But when we bring all these individual things together and we put them together, wow, look at what you get. Look at the power of, in, of these individual things together. And God chooses to include us in all of that. How amazing is that? Absolutely amazing. So don't think that whatever it is that you've got might not have much power. Bring it together with others and it will have more power than what it physically might look like it ever can have. And let me leave you with a final thought about the longevity of what they did. People are still talking about it today. They're talking about what those guys brought together and we're talking about the gifts and we're talking about the significance of what those gifts were as well. So that's the power of things together. Let's move on to a slightly different tack then as we're still looking at together. Here's the power of difference and together. 
Because even just by saying that, the power of difference and together, you might think, well, if it's different, then really, what's this whole together thing? Can it be compatible? Absolutely. Anyone that's married probably realises that their spouse is different from them. You probably thought they were more alike when you first met them, and then you get married and you realise that they're actually very, very different from you. And if you're a wise spouse, you will learn from your spouse to become a better version of you and let God deal with him and just deal with yourself. Marriage tip 101 there. Learned the hard way, I have to confess. But uh, it's a great way to, uh, to have an awesome marriage. So there is amazing power with difference and together. So again, I'm going to read a few scriptures that uh, some of you may be familiar with. And so again, what they do, they just undergird uh, this topic and this particular point that we're looking at. So the first one here then for you is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'm just going to read verse 1. Then we will scoot ahead through to verse 21. But starting on verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. And you might not know what that means, let me tell you. Everyone that comes together and says, I'm a Christian, when you come to a place like this, or if you're online with someone else in the house with you, or you are joining other people that are by themselves, just like you are by themselves, but the fact that you're all together online, even though you're not in the same room, you are the body of Christ. And so that's why it's no accident, again, that God, God refers to the church as the body of Christ. He wants us to understand we've all got bodies, last time I checked. And so it's something that we can all relate to. So let's keep on then through to verses 21 to 26. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Now, when I read that, I knew that there were people hearing this message right now. That was for you. You needed to hear that. There are some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important. They're actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honourable are those we close with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honourable parts do not require special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honour and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it, and if one part is honoured, all parts are glad. Again, this is not a biological lesson. That's not the intent of what God put that here. He wants us to understand that, to embrace it, and to live that out. And it's actually not that hard. It really isn't. So things like the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. So therefore, let me state the obvious. We all need each other. Everybody is needed together. And you soon realise that when something in your body isn't working the way that it should do, don't you? All of a sudden, that toe that you stubbed, it's like the only thing that's happening in your body at that time. If you've got any, a sports injury, you are very much aware of that. Now, before that happens, you might think, oh, it doesn't really matter. Well, it actually does. And so let me tell you that with the church, that if somebody gets affected by something, then actually all of us do get affected by something. You know, we had a person go to be with the Lord that passed away from this earth just a few weeks back. 
and they've been in Metro Church for a long time. And so you better believe that the fact that they are no longer here, we are missing that person. So that person is incredibly significant. When the person is here amongst you, all of you here today, we tend to take it for granted. But we are very important to one another. You know, you go away on holiday, and uh, when you're packing up the car or whatever it is, everything seems important until you you get to the other end and you realise that uh, something was very, very important if you left it behind. Now, you can probably get away on your holiday uh, without most of those things that you might leave behind, but we can't get by without each other. If even one of us disconnect ourselves, we will feel the effects of that. There will be one less of you, and you won't be able to bring what you're meant to bring, and you won't be able to receive what you are meant to receive from being in this place if this is the place that you are meant to be. Let me give another verse then, still in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 22. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Just like the human body we've read in recent years, the appendix, finally we decided or we realised that uh, it had reasonably important value. It helps us create good bacteria in our gut for good health there. Our tonsils, they produce blood cells uh, that help fight infections, strep, influenza and other infections. Decades ago, those two body parts in themselves were considered unnecessary. So modern science is realising, you know, this God who created our human bodies looks like he knew what he was doing after all. And all these things were needed. Well, guess what? When he created the body of Christ, us, he knew what he was doing. Every single one of us has a plan and a purpose, and God's got specific things that he wants to do in and through us. And I know for some of us that when we hear some of these things, there's the yes, but little record that gets played, that uh, recording that gets played in our mind. We need to silence that, because there is no yes, but in the Word of God. What he says is true. There's no asterisk, look at the fine print, unlike insurance policies. That's not how God wrote the Bible. What he says is what he says, and it's true for every single one of us. The only condition to make it real in our lives is to accept Jesus as our Lord and as our Saviour. And at the end of this message, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond in that very tangible, physical way, if you would like to. Now, when it comes to, you might think, yeah, but I'm, you know, I feel like I'm always in the way. I don't feel like I add much value. In fact, I feel like I'm a bit of a drain. I feel like I'm a, a sick part of the body, an unwell part of the body. Well, again, if I think about the medical side of things, we have doctors and nurses. We wouldn't need the medical profession if we didn't have any sick people. So both are interdependent upon one another. And both are there to get assistance, actually, from one another. One is the medical help they need, the other is the income. But all required, just as important. Now, for those of you that like to think you're normal, and I used to think I was normal until Robin reminded me that I wasn't. <laughs> but for the rest of you, let's have a look at another passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 22 to 24. So we read this again, but I just want to highlight a few bits here. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour, and the parts that are unpresentable and treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. And that's where I want to pause. While the presentable parts need no special treatment. 
I don't know if you've heard of the phrase. I don't know how Australian this particular phrase is. So um, if you're joining us online and you're not from Australia, apologies in advance. Uh, but we've got this saying called, uh, referred to as the squeaky wheel gets the oil. So it means that if you've got a wheel on a trolley or something like that that's squeaking, you, it draws your attention because of the noise that it makes. And so therefore you realise that oil typically is a good solution to help with the squeakiness. And so that's where you get the saying, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. And we use that phrase to describe people sometimes. And if you're not the squeaky wheel getting the oil, you can potentially get a bit resentful. How come that person gets mentioned so much? How come that person got called? Why did someone go over to visit that person? Well, the squeaky oil, the squeaky oil, wheel gets the oil. So if most of us live the average life, whatever you know, average actually looks like, we shouldn't be disheartened or jealous even that if other people are getting attention or, or care, if care is needed, then care is needed. And you may very well be the recipient one day, maybe sooner than you think on also getting that same level of care. So normal is just as valuable as those that need extra care as well. I would hope that no ambulance crew member would be hoping for major medical catastrophes just so they can feel valuable and their sense of worth. So as, as, as us as individuals, I think we need to grab some of that on board as well. Noticeable is just as valuable as unnoticeable. Unseen is just as important as being seen. And a final thought on that, our bones in our body, they're unseen, but they're very important. Without the bones in our body, we wouldn't have structure. I would not be able to stand up. I'd collapse in a pile of fat and lots of muscle. <laughs> well, maybe you've got that around the wrong order, but you get the idea. Our bones are incredibly important, just like all, all of us. Each one of us is a bone in the body of Christ. And if you're not here to be your part, then the rest of us, we start to lose our rigidity. We start to lose our cohesion. We don't stay together as well as we're designed to do. We certainly don't function the way that we are designed to do either. So unseen is actually good. Unseen is pretty good, actually, whichever way it works. So let me close out with a scripture that really summarizes that. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Don't we rejoice when we see videos like that one from Kathy uh, Smith over there in New South Wales, where we go, isn't that awesome? the impact that Metro Church is still having all these years later. And when someone has to drive several hundred kilometres to go to the nearest physical church, what an incredible blessing it is to be a part of all of that, part of being together. Okay, let me give you the final thought here for this morning then. This is the power of people together. The power of people together. And here's the first thing on this one. Together isn't optional. It's not. Some things are. My wife and I love going out to restaurants, not as much as we used to. We used to go to restaurants so often. We had our favourite ones. And uh, 
we walked into our restaurant one time and uh, we sat down and the waiter came across to ask us what our order was and we placed our order and they said, oh, you're not getting the dot, dot, dot. We said, uh, no. The fact that they knew that, they said, oh, Pete, the chef saw you guys walk in. So we started preparing a meal for you. <laughs> Seriously, your garlic bread, darn double sides, your chicken salad without this, but with the that, and the, all of that. It's like, how embarrassing was that? That we were there so regularly that he knew exactly what our order um, actually was. But on the restaurant side, if you've been to the, more of the fancy restaurants, and we didn't go to those often, we used to go out more often than less. But if you go to the more expensive restaurants, the more you pay, kind of like the less you get, you get bigger plates. Isn't that true? You get a bigger plate with less food on it, and some of the food's edible, which is even better, and some of it isn't. And it's all decorated, little swirlies of syrup and sauce and little things all on there. And, uh, and then they offer if you'd like to have something on the side, and you ask them, what, what might that be? Well, vegetables, because the main meal doesn't come with vegetables or salad or anything like that. So it's kind of like, well, those sorts of things are optional. You don't have to have them, but you're not going to have a very good feed if you don't have them. But when it comes to together, there are some things that just happen automatically, the fact that we are together. So whether you're in the building here with us this morning, this evening, whatever the time zone is, if you're online, we're all together. You might be in your own place, a hotel room, or flying somewhere, or down the beach, wherever you are, even though there might not be any other, anybody else physically with you, you are together with all of us. You see it on the YouTube chat and on Facebook Live. There's a huge amount of together happening. So it doesn't always have to be another human being within close proximity. Together is automatic. And the things that happen as a result of that are automatic. But as far as the togetherness, the benefits that you get from together, it's optional. It, it can happen automatically, but it is optional. It is actually up to us as to how much of that we want to take on board and how much of that comes into our life. Now, I might have shared this uh, brief story before, so apologies if I have, but many years ago, um, in the life of this church, we had a lady that I was speaking with, and she'd been coming here for a small amount of time. And she made this statement to me. She said, you know, I don't feel that the church is very friendly. And I said, really? That's very surprising to me. That's not been my experience. I, I think it's an incredibly friendly church. And I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to say this too. I said, you know, I really think it's incredibly friendly. How have you found it when you've gone up to people and been friendly to them? Have they been friendly in reply to you? And she went very quiet. So I knew that her definition of friendliness was people being friendly to her every single week, every single service, them always coming to her, not her going to be friendly to others. So together was absolutely available and possible for her, but it was optional. It required her to contribute and to join in and to be a part of it. So that's the same for all of us today, myself included. Together is optional. We get so much out of it if we actually engage and be a part of that as well. So let me wrap up then. Some final thoughts uh, for this. So uh, thank you, team, if you could come, if you're not already on your way. So with the thought of together being automatic... I want to look again uh, back at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the closing verse uh, that we haven't seen yet in that particular 
part of the Bible. And this is from the New Living Translation because I think it puts it very uniquely. So this is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 27. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. No stars, no C clause 15A. That's it, full stop. All of us are a part of it. So if we're all included in that, then it's amazing to be a part of together and for all of us to be a part of it. Because let's face it, if the alternative, what's the alternative to being together, not being together? Being separate, being alone, being isolated, being by yourself. Now, perhaps from time to time and for a short period of time, maybe that is kind of nice to have some to me time is a phrase that we quite often use. But most people can't live like that. We're not designed to live like that. We won't enjoy living like that. We're meant to be together with other people. And again, if you're still not quite sold on the we're all together, well, if you have a loved one who has died, don't you, don't you mourn for them? You mourn that loss? Why? Because you won't be with them again. You won't be together with them again. You mourn that aspect of the relationship that is no longer there. So again, it's proof, it's written. God's laws are written on our hearts. And so we respond to all of those things. We're designed to live that way. Now, when it comes to prayer, Jesus gave us an incredible truth, an incredibly powerful truth. Again, when he was talking about together. So here's the first part of this passage. This is in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 18. I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, no disclaimers, that's it, full stop. That is an incredible promise for prayer. But let's take it one step further, the very next verse, verse 19. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree together, Anything they ask for will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Again, no accident. It wasn't just because Jesus wanted us to have buddy time. He made that statement. If two of you agree about it, again, that's the power of together. Absolutely incredible. Let me finish with this final thought, and we're not going to read it for the sake of time and for the, the amount of depth, but in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, Read all of chapter 17, because that talks about Jesus' last hours and time here on earth before he was handed over to be crucified. And if you read all of chapter 17, when you get to the end of that, you'll understand what the overall theme and what the focus of that whole chapter was about. Jesus was talking about the together aspect. It was about the relationship that he had built with them. He talks about sending them out. He spoke to them as a group of people, a group of disciples that were together. He could have pulled them aside one by one and had little private confidential conversations and given them their specific instructions. He didn't do that. Again, he was demonstrating the power of togetherness. You know what he also didn't do in his last moments and, and hours with his disciples? He didn't go back and, hey, by the way, don't forget about, he didn't rehash sowing and reaping. He didn't go back over another story about giving first to God. He didn't even talk about healing and miracles. He didn't give them more summarized, reviewed theological lessons and how to be a good disciple and Christianity 101. He didn't do any of that. 
It was all about relationship. It was all about doing life together. It was all about the power of together as individual people. So I just want you to have that just to sit. I mentioned at the beginning of this message, this is about the sense of what together is. You might not be able to put your finger on every single aspect of it, but you know it when you feel it. You know it when you experience it. And when you give of yourself to others, you see it. You see the smile. You see the tear of joy. Or maybe it's a tear of sadness, but you see it in other people as well. The power of together is incredibly, incredibly powerful. The most important together that ever happened in my life was when I met Jesus. And I was just thinking about this yesterday when I was praying. Coming up in five days' time is my Christian birthday. The celebration of the years in which I gave my life to Christ. And on the 29th of January, 1989, which is 32 years ago, that's when I became a Christian. That's when I gave my heart to Jesus. That's when he came into my life and I came into the kingdom. And now together with Jesus, I get to live an amazing life. Not because I'm up here. I get to live an amazing life because he's in my heart. Because he's my Lord. He's my saviour. He washed away all my past. He forgave me of all my sin and he gave me the gift of eternal life. But I needed to come to him first. I needed to say, Jesus, would you come into my heart so that I can be together with you forever in heaven? And he said, absolutely, yes. And he said that almost 32 years ago today. So today I want to give you that same opportunity. And if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, it will change your life. These are the most important words you can ever say. Jesus, come into my life. I accept you as my Lord and as my Saviour. That's the most simplest, most powerful prayer you ever need to pray and that you ever will pray. So maybe you can make that your own. But we love to give you other options as well. So you can say that right now when you're seated here in the auditorium, online, wherever you are, you can say that very simple prayer and Jesus will know it and he'll respond to it. There's another way that you can also respond and then we can actually interact with you uh, to an extent. And so we call this yes text. Pastor Jeff alluded to it a little bit before when he was talking about online. What is it? It's you saying yes. Now I said yes, you know, in a room and I closed my eyes and I prayed out to Jesus and I said, yes, Lord, come into my life. But whatever way you do it, it's just as powerful. And so you can text the word yes, Y-E-S to our number that's up on the screen there. That's as simple as it needs to be. Text yes through to Jesus and you'll hear that. And then if you do that, then automatically every day we will send you a sample scripture and a way in which you can pray about that particular scripture. And that's a way to help you begin your journey with Christ. But that's the most important thing that you can ever do in your life. All right, so let me just pray now as well for anybody that might have responded. And I also want to have us seal this message and capture it in your hearts and your spirits. Lord, I thank you for today. Father, I pray for all those people that have responded to you, that have said yes, for those that are thinking about it. Lord, I pray that you would stir them by your spirit. And everyone that says yes to you, Lord, I pray that it would be as real and as life-changing as it was to me 32 years ago. Let that be their testimony as well. And Father, for all of us, we've heard your word come forth 
which promises that it won't go forward in vain. And so, Lord, I pray that you will seal everything that you want every individual person to take on board with this message this morning. Help us, Lord, live in that power of together for your kingdom's sake. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Awesome. Thank you, church. Pleasure always sharing God's word with you.